So you could say that I'm in a post-quarantine health kick right now in that because I got so frustrated with the fact that I've been working out like six days a week and still not losing weight and like eating like pretty well, you know, not like super health freak, but you know, like not overindulging. I'm not a snacker, so I don't snack. Really? Not really. And um, for you. You know, not a huge drinker either. So it's just uh, my big Achilles heel is is sweets and in particular dessert. I'm like a dessert guy. I have to have some kind of sweet thing at the end of the day. So is that the big vice? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll call that my big vice. <laughs> is there another? I don't know of another oh, sure. big vice. Weed? Is it a? Is that the big one? Do you think weed? I guess if it, if you consider it a vice, I see. I don't even consider it a vice. What's a vice? I guess a vice is something that you must do. Is that right? I don't know. Like, I would consider weed a vice, or I, I haven't been smoking weed for a while. But my relationship with weed, it was certainly a vice. It's kind of weird because it falls into the medical category too. It's like a medication. I take. I actually smoke it mostly to be able to fall asleep. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me, Earth Monster. I'm your host, Matt LeBlanc. And if I was going to play Mary F. Kill with the guys from Friends, I would marry Chandler, F. Joey, and kill Ross, obviously. This is Your Necessary Delusion, the storytelling show that celebrates vulnerability and speaks to the darkest, messiest little parts of your heart about the lies that we tell ourselves every day, the stories that we use to get out of bed, the fantasies that we let propel our lives. And please, do not forget to subscribe to the show. Write us a review on Apple iTunes, that's the Purple Podcast app. And rate us with five stars, because it's super easy to do, and it is helping us find our audience. Thanks, guys. I met my guest today in a sketch comedy writing class about ten years ago in Hollywood. And even though Travis is a close friend, I was excited to hear his story because he can be a private guy. I don't really know where it comes from, the privacy thing. I haven't worked through that with my therapist, so. <laughs> I have very clean cut silos in terms of my life, just just like all of my personalities. I cleanly cut off all my different personalities <laughs> and hide them away in the back of my mind when I, for when I need <laughs> when I need them. Yeah. It almost sounds stressful the way you talk about it. No. What happens when the silos collide? Oh God, I don't know. Travis has two different lives in terms of friend groups. There's a certain sort of intellectual artist type side to me that I sort of nourish. And then there's like a bro-y, frat bro, sports jock kind of side to me that I nourish and they don't really mesh well. I've never been able to bring them together to create this utopia of Travis. <laughs> My ambitions were, they've always been, and they've kind of never really quite wavered from like, I'm going to write, produce, and direct like independent feature films. Like that was, that was, and kind of always has been my goal. Travis is from Seattle originally. And if I had to choose an archetype, I guess I would say film nerd. When I was like a teenager growing up, my job was working at a video rental store and I watched so many films that like the point of sale system stopped counting them. You know the type. 
He sent himself through the Tarantino school of working at a video rental store and watching anything that would fit into his DVD player. So I just watched shitloads of movies. I loved movies. I was an actor and I loved indie films. And so I was like, I'm going to be an independent filmmaker who like makes films that play at Sundance. And like, that's going to be my thing. I'm going to do that. Delusion! So that was my goal. I moved to LA like a lot of people to try to like make it in the industry, you know? <laughs> and I had come down with a friend of mine and we were like writing partners and we were going to like take over Hollywood. So we had had like the experience of writing a script that had gotten a lot of attention. An agent at William Morris was like super interested in it. We had a production company and on board that was like helping us develop it. And they were going to help us take it out to the town and everything. And literally while we're in the middle of developing this script out is when the writer's strike happened. The agent at William Morris ended up like retiring <laughs> during the writer's strike. <laughs> she was the head lit agent at William Morris for all comedy scripts. Like she was the one, right? Our script essentially like dies a slow death. And that was like disheartening. But at the same time, we were like, whatever, it happens. Like, we'll just keep going. We were just blinders, just, you know, straight forward, straight ahead, no looking back. And so I was working any job that I could get to sort of keep myself afloat because my real job was writing Delusion! i would go to work and then i would write in the evenings with my buddy my first jobs when i first got here was i was a barista i worked at groundworks coffee travis knows more about coffee than anyone else that i know personally i went on to working in like a tech startup company in santa monica we were creating a new search engine that was all human-based. Whatever that means, over my head. I was like handwriting search engine result pages for this. <laughs> it was really a stupid idea. And then because I had all those tech experience, I had started working at this company called Media Temple. Media Temple. Good name. And although, like all of us, Travis has been driving himself with fantasies for his whole life, it was at Media Temple that our story really begins. So let's get an idea of the place. When I was working for them, they were still small, independently owned web hosting company. I was working in their tech support department. So basically, I was answering phone calls from angry people whose websites were down every day, all day. And it was a kind of a grueling job, but like, I just, I'm not really good with customer service when it comes to dealing with angry, irate people. I have zero interest in dealing with people who have anger management issues. <laughs> Because I have anger management issues. <laughs> like they start getting angry at me. I'm like, just calm the fuck down, man. It's just your stupid fucking website. Nobody knows what it is. Nobody cares. <laughs> I've never heard of it. I was not good at tech support. I will tell you that. It was essentially a dead-end job. He was earning a paycheck with no real interest in moving up the ranks. All of his passion and curiosity was saved for his real job, writing in coffee shops. The saving grace of Media Temple was the people that he worked with. They were all very interesting people. Everything from like huge breakdancing champion to this other communist socialist guy. <laughs> there was this other guy. He was like in his 50s and he was like this like burnt out old rocker. <laughs> For anyone out there considering moving to Los Angeles to find your tribe of mismatched creative weirdos, not a delusion. We out here. Some very, very focused women who were like kind of running the whole thing. The only person he wasn't crazy about was his direct manager. This guy, Mark. Mark was a nice guy, but he's also kind of, I don't know, he had this sort of like scumbag feel to him. I don't know. There's no real way to otherwise to describe him. And the guys that he hung out with in the office were also kind of like the scumbag guys in the office. A customer service rep who doesn't love his boss? What a shocking premise. 
I'm working this tech support job during the days and I don't really give a shit about this job. It just pays my bills and I'm just writing stuff and like eventually something's going to hit. We're going to make something happen. I was always very optimistic, very blinders on. I still am, but at the time I was probably even more because I just I didn't have kind of the experience of failures and rejections and stuff like that nearly as much. I mean, every script that I was working on at that point in time was like the script, like it was going to be the one to like break me through. Blinders are effective enough to keep me moving, but somewhere deep down, even if it's not totally conscious, my real feelings stay alive. You know the script. Hey, how's it going, Travis? Great! My my agent retired and my script died and I'm working in customer service, but I literally love writing for no money in coffee shops, so I'm killing it right now. He's good at wearing a smile, but somewhere he was feeling that loss. So maybe he was just looking for a boost. I was working day shifts, answering calls, and then I see the HR girl, we'll just call her Linda, walking in with this kind of tall, skinny, really beautiful girl that we'll call Kate. And she's like showing her around. Like I could tell this was like a new hire. And so she's showing her around the floor. And honestly, this girl was the kind of girl like every guy in the room. You could see like the heads kind of pop up. Like, (laughs) oh, who's that? She had like black hair, very big, dark brown eyes, a really bright smile, very striking, gorgeous face. I had to talk to this girl somehow. My relationship history was spotty. I think my last girlfriend was this girl that I had dated very briefly in college for like, I want to say like a month. Linda and I were somewhat friendly around the office. And so she's sort of bringing Kate around to introduce her to various people. She was just getting a job as like an office management support type position. And I met her of like, hey, nice to meet you. Like, welcome to Media Temple. It's really great. You're going to have a fun time here. In my mind, I'm thinking, don't say anything stupid. (laughs) I got to like figure out how to have another conversation with this girl. That's not just like this cordial introductory type conversation. Travis has always spent a lot of time going after his career, and it's not very often that he finds this type of interest in someone. But as I'm learning so often in these stories, the love interest is never just the love interest. They're usually a catalyst to drive a deeper delusion in the storyteller. And what makes this idea so clear in this instance is that Travis doesn't usually feel comfortable approaching women, let alone women that are potentially out of his league something about me. I'm a very personal guy, I think. I have no problems having good conversations with people, meeting new people, but there's something about girls that just like throw me off my game. I have no idea like how to really approach them. It's always just been this thing. Delusion! Well, he sounds pretty attached to that premise. I just get all up in my head about it and I I get the flop sweats. (laughs) It's usually like you're talking to somebody and I get like very personable and chatty and laughing and joking around, but that's just me like overcompensating for how nervous I actually am. And then like all of the energy that I'm putting into trying to like remain entertaining and engaging, like my body just starts overheating. I just start sweating. I can feel the sweat pouring down my back and I'm like, this is not good. I don't even like turn around and walk away. I'll just back away from the person. We put so much pressure on ourselves, don't we? With that kind of physical reaction, you can understand how it could detour someone from approaching people over time. 
So what is the motivation to keep trying? There's always this nagging feeling in the back of your mind that you're like, I'm lonely. Like, I'm a little lonely. Like, I kind of want to, like, have a relationship and meet somebody. That Wouldn't that be nice? You don't really think about, like, the kind of effort and work that kind of goes into it. It's just sort of like, wouldn't it be nice if somebody else liked me? You know, if I liked them and they liked me and, like, we hung out. Like, wouldn't that be great? I'm wondering how big the loneliness was. Yeah, I mean... As an only child, you sort of get used to it. So it's not something that's pervasive, but like it just comes up every now and then. Usually it's like a weekend night or Friday night and you don't have plans with friends or anything or all your friends already have plans and you're like, oh, (laughs) all right, I guess I'm staying in and watching a movie tonight or whatever. It's usually on those sorts of nights that it, it would hit. It still does. There it is. The motivation. I keep thinking about this girl. Kate? Literally, like, every day I'm going in, I'm like, I hope Kate's going to be working today. She was a couple of days a week sort of a thing. I was trying to figure out what was her schedule without, like, being obvious. So I would see her around the office, and we would smile at each other, you know, polite highs and stuff like that. And I could kind of tell it that, at the very least, she wasn't, like, disgusted by me. I could tell that she was at least friendly. Despite his nervousness, Travis was looking for his opening. And even though Kate was sort of the hot new girl in an office full of dudes... Travis wasn't worried about them. All the guys were cool. I really loved them. But I wasn't all that concerned, to be fairly honest. When you're working in information technology, you're not dealing with like the cream of the crop in terms of like sexy, handsome dudes who like are ripped out and are socially adequate. (laughs) Ooh, he said socially adequate. Burn. There are guys who are super charismatic. I mean, I'm friendly and I can get along with people and I'm very gregarious. And But when it comes to being like suave, debonair, like sexy dude who's going to like walk into a bar and girls are going to be like, who's that? I want to talk to him. That is not me. I am not that guy. I'm the guy that like, he's fun. He's friendly. Let's be friends with him. Let's go bowling. I'm that guy. But amongst the guys that I was working with, like I was definitely in the upper percentile, I would say. Delusion. So even though Kate could make Travis's palm sweat from a polite smile in the hallway, he was stepping out of his comfort zone, determined to shoot his shot. One day I'm in a break room um, getting coffee and she comes in. I was just talking with her. I find out that she'd just moved to L.A. and that she knew Linda and she'd gotten this job working at Media Temple because Kate was a web designer and she hosted websites that she designed on Media Temple. I find out that she's from Connecticut. So when she moved to L.A., she's like, I'll get a job at Media Temple because I know that where they are, I know the business. This is an easy transition for me. And, you know, I was talking to her about like what she was interested in and she really liked going to concerts and music. She really liked design and art. She was super fascinating and very intelligent, very worldly, I would say, very interested in a lot of different things. We're talking, we're chatting. We're like kind of around the same age and like it's just really flowing really well. Delusion! And she mentions that she's a runner. And I was looking for something to have in common with her, something that was like active that we could do. And so I lied and I told her that like I was a runner too. (laughs) And I was not a runner at all. Like I, at the time, I think the last time I had run a mile was in like grade school when we ran the mile. (laughs) Like not a runner in the least. We're talking, I was a kid who had a slight scoliosis. I had flat feet and wore inserts. I was the kind of kid where when I was young, if my family went for a walk, I would complain and get tired. This is walks taking too long. My feet hurt. Like 
running was not something that like my body was designed to really do. So then I'm telling this person that I have a super crush on, oh yeah, I'm a runner. I'm In fact, I'm thinking of entering the LA Marathon. And she goes, oh, cool. That's really, that's cool. As it turned out, Kate had run several marathons. He was lying through his teeth, but he had gotten her attention. So he leaned into it. Have you run a marathon? Oh yeah, no, I haven't run a marathon yet. I've run, you know, I've run like other races, but um, I was thinking a marathon sort of like the next step for me. <laughs> nope, not a delusion. This was a lie. So basically I had told her that I was planning on signing up for the marathon and then went back to my computer after this break and I actually signed up for the marathon. Like, like right after this conversation. <laughs> so definitely delusional behavior. Aside from the fact that he doesn't seem built for or interested in running, he had also only had one casual conversation with Kate. There was essentially no concrete reason to sign up for the marathon. It's actually a little bit of a desperate move when you break it down. You've been there. He was just searching for something different, and he took a swing because it sounded like a good idea when he said it. For me, at that time, it was kind of like a motivating factor to like fully commit myself to this idea. I'm going to run this marathon, and I'm going to show this girl that I'm actually a runner. Even though he wasn't. And I'm also going to, you know, there's going to be all this other side benefits of like getting into shape and all that sort of stuff. Maybe he'd been searching for a way to get into shape, too. But really, it was mostly about like trying to impress this girl. <laughs> Trying to impress Kate. Trying to impress Kate, who he hardly knew. The underlying message here seems to be that he was trying to impress himself. Trying to step away from his usual habits. Trying to do something different. I may be projecting here, but sometimes when I need to shake things up in my life, it's because I'm just so sick of myself. So sick of my likes and dislikes and my comfort zone. So sick of my necessary delusion. Sick of my bullshit, you know? And yet it can be so hard to find a healthy way to make a change. When I'm following all of my natural instincts and still nothing seems to be working, I try to step outside of myself, try to invite in a new element. We all do it. We take big swings that seem totally irrational. I only eat raw foods now. I deleted all of my social media accounts. I got a tattoo on my neck. I'm going to be that guy now. As silly as this marathon idea sounds, we've all been there. Maybe he was still bummed about his script dying or working in tech support. Travis, how out of character or in character is this for you to be shoehorning an interest in with some girl? Um, I'd say it's more in character than I would like to admit. I <laughs> <laughs> I would like to admit that I'm a, like when it comes to girls, like take me as I am, baby, take it or leave it. You let you either like the guy who prefers to watch eight hours of television on the Saturday or <laughs> or not. A guy whose like idea of like a really awesome like day is like spending it in a coffee shop writing for hours on end. I don't know about you, but I totally feel this. It's about being accountable for how you spend your time. When you meet a new person and you're essentially inviting them into your life, it can be hard to admit, hey, <laughs> I don't have any hobbies. I work a lot for something that I am not getting paid for. And if left to my own devices, I usually eat takeout and binge watch reality TV. You want to sit here with me while I do it? Hello? Hello? No, I'm definitely the guy who's like, I'll take on your interests because that means that we'll have shared interests and we are perfect together. <laughs> Seems like a pretty loose definition of shared interest. Delusion! I'm also a super curious 
guy. I'm always interested in exploring things and new experiences and stuff like that. So it's not super out of character for me to want to try new things. And I mean, kind of how you learn anything new is you get exposed to people who do it and then you like open yourself up to the opportunity and the experience and you do it yourself. Yada, 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 justification, excuses, delusion. So it's partially unhealthy and also partially healthy, I like to say. (laughs) I bet you like to say that. Delusion! Before you start judging Travis too harshly, let me say, I commend him for owning this detail about lying about shared interests. And I also want to emphasize that in my estimation, after 10 years of friendship, I have never known Travis to be anything close to a predator who lies to women to get them into intimate situations. I have, on the other hand, known him to lack game in terms of dating and sometimes put his foot in his mouth when flirting. But we've already established this is partly about the girl and partly about being a better Travis. So how's he planning to go about doing that? In my head, I'm thinking six months. That seems like enough time that I can like train myself and run this. Delusion. So I told her the next day, like, hey, by the way, I signed up. I signed up for the marathon. I'm going to run it. And she's like, that's awesome. Like, we should train together. I was like, the plan worked. (laughs) So, yeah, we made plans to meet up. I think it was like the next day after work. I drove over to her place and we were going to go on like an easy run, just like get ourselves into the mode of running. And I'm like, cool, an easy run, you know, like, you know, like a half a mile. A half a mile. (laughs) This is where his expectations were at. What a runner. No, three miles. Like, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) Let's go run three miles. And I am on this run. I am dying. I am dying. Any delusion that Kate may have had about Travis being a runner completely evaporated in these three miles. See, Kate is long and tall. Travis is short and thick. Sorry, Trav. Just trying to paint a picture. Kate controls her breath and takes long, even strides. Travis is breathing so heavy that he's on the verge of honking. Right. He sort of sounds like a Labrador throwing up. (laughs) I'm guessing. After one mile, he's shuffling. His feet turned out like a duck, sopping wet from head to toe. But you gotta love him. Every time they stop, he's smiling. To her credit, she's being very nice about it. She doesn't really even bat an eyelash at it. At the end of the run, she's like, hey, you did a really great job. Da-da-da-lusion. And I was like, I have to admit to you that I am not a runner. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I mean, I could tell. She's like, so you really signed up for the marathon? Yeah, I really signed up for the marathon. I paid $120. I'm doing this marathon. And she's like, okay, well, if you want to train for it, I've run marathons. Like, I've run my entire life. She's like a runner. Like she knows what she's fucking doing when it comes to running. She's like, we can run together. I'll train you. I'll run with you. Are you guys talking about the idea that you lied at all? I mean, I came clean. I basically told her, I was like, yeah, I was trying to figure out a way that we could like hang out and she was cool with it. And I took the fact that she offered to keep like hanging out and running with me. as like a good sign that she wasn't like super weird about it. One, four, three means I love you. You know the code, 143. It's the number of the letters in I love you. If you have love for the show and you want to support us, send us a message on Venmo. Send $1.43 to at your necessary delusion on Venmo to show your love. Thanks, guys. If you are a lover of art, artists, literature, and receiving things in the mail, support our very own Janie Canarella. Her episode is called Dangerous Laziness, and her website is hootreview.com. That's H-O-O-T review.com. 
For $15 a year, Janie will send you essentially 15 postcards that feature guest writers' prose and poetry, as well as custom art that she designs herself. It's about a dollar a card. Go to hootreview.com. We are back. Travis has just admitted to Kate that he is not a runner, obviously, and she has agreed to train him for the marathon. See, he could admit his lie to Kate because the delusion about the marathon wasn't really for her. It was for him. It still is. So even though he had come clean about not being a runner, this confession only made his delusion stronger because now he could accept her help with the training and live out his story in plain sight. And so we start going on these sort of like run dates. Let's see, is this a friend zone or is this more? Are you flirting? Oh, yeah. What's the flirting look like? I mean, it's just like the sort of casual, it's like fun conversations, spending more time together. You know, Gradually over time, we're every after the runs, like I'll hang out a little bit longer. She'll play like a record for me. She's really into George Harrison. She's really into the Beatles. She would show me like the web design that she was working on. I'm getting more and more ingrained into her life. Which felt really good because we take on the attributes of the people around us. So Travis was feeling cool by proxy. She had a cool apartment too. It was like a one bedroom. It's really cool. She's a designer, so she's like good with aesthetics. And so her place is really well laid out. This is in Mar Vista, which is sort of, it's like, if you're not from LA, Mar Vista is like just outside of Venice area. So it's close to the beach, but not like on the beach. Travis was living downtown with a roommate. Downtown at this point was being called the next up and coming area in LA. Only Travis and his buddy had moved in about six years too early. It was still like, you didn't go out past like eight o'clock at night. (laughs) (laughs) So they always met at Kate's house to go on their runs. One day, instead of like going a run, we decided to go grab dinner after work. And it's really nice. She was really into music. We connected on that because I really like music, but she likes music beyond like to another level that I didn't even have. She kind of has all the hipster girl things that I'm so crushing on at this point in my life. Just all of the things. I was honestly at this point completely floored by this person. I was obsessed with her for a period of time. Delusion. So Travis is, quote, obsessed. And meanwhile, where's Kate in all of this? She's very flirty. Like the way that she is just in general, she's got this sort of sly kind of smile about her. Sort of this way of looking at you where you feel like she knows a little bit more than you about like what's going on. Maybe she does. She's just a little bit more in tune to like everything than you are. And there's something so intriguing about that that I just couldn't. I just found myself kind of like falling more and more and more into this girl's spell. We always put it on other people. They made me fall under their spell. They brainwashed me. They tricked me. It's so much easier than taking responsibility. I was in a vulnerable place in my life. I was looking for some sort of life raft to hang on to. I projected a lot of my own ideas onto the situation and let go of reality and my sense of self. Again, not blaming Travis. Don't forget, I'm not just the president. I'm also a client. So we finished our dinner date. We went to this Thai restaurant near where she lives. We head back to her place. Oh, and she had this super hot car, a Toyota Supra, which is like a kind of a fast sort of muscle car. And she parks. She was cool. She liked rock music and she was really into Nine Inch Nails. She would go to the concerts and she was a designer. She was just cool, like in every way, shape or form. Right. So we're in this car and I make my move. I go in for a kiss and we we 
have like a brief little makeout session and then no 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 don't and pass over that take me through the weeds dude it, it felt like i was living in a movie that was my own life you know the moment in the nerdy guy's movie where he's like dating this girl who's like super out of his league he goes in for the kiss and it all comes together in my head i'm just going like holy shit i can't believe i'm making out with this really cool hot chick and she pulls back in the middle of this and she's like i have a confession to make oh no I'm like, okay, what's it? She's like, I'm not 27 like you think I am. I'm like, okay, how old are you? She's like, I'm actually 32. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like 32, whatever. <laughs> In my head, I'm like, oh, wow. Not only is she like super cool and worldly hot, she's also older than me, like score. Like, <laughs> like these are all great things. Travis was 26, not a big age gap. He also doesn't remember her explicitly saying that she was 27 previously. It was just sort of implied. So is this ringing strange to anyone else that she would decide to stop the first kiss of all moments to share this bit of seemingly trivial information? Travis didn't seem to think so. Then again, he seemed preoccupied from reality in this moment. I think I told her, I was like, I never would have thought that I would be able to like go on a date and make out with a girl who's as cool as you and older than me. You're totally out of my league. I don't know why. <laughs> I think I had told her that. <laughs> I love that he shared this, but it occurs to me that he certainly wasn't giving Kate any delusion to hang on to. Despite the lie about the marathon just to get things moving, he's being very transparent otherwise. This approach seemed to be working for both of them. So it was like a great night. <laughs> Um, over the moon with this, I did sleep over. And so the next day, wait, um, Travis, wait, you don't, I mean, you don't have to give me the gory details, but come on, dude. Is she taller than you? She's a little taller than me. She's maybe like an inch or two taller than me. So you go into this apartment, we go back into her bedroom, making out one thing leads to another and we hook up. And it's like, honestly, for me at that point in my life, it was like one of the best sexual experiences I'd had. It was just very intense, very lustful. You know, that kind of sex where it's just like, you kind of lose yourself in the moment. You become very in the moment and you become very, it's not like aggressive or anything, but it's passionate. You just lose yourself in the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. Travis had never felt this way before. It was an Eminem song, essentially, which is how you know you're in the zone. So that's that's basically what it was. An Eminem song. You heard it. The next morning. You wake up. You have to fart. Wake up. You have to fart. No, you wake up. And it's nice. It's just like a nice sort of cordial thing. This was a Saturday morning, so I didn't have to work or anything. And I asked her if she wanted to hang out and she had plans. So I went home. So in my head at this point, I'm like, so what's going on? Like, are we just dating? Like, we've hooked up. Like, what are we like? Is this a thing? It was like a moment in my 20s where I felt very much like a dude who would done it you know like i had seen the girl that i had a crush on i had like kind of made a fool out of myself but i had still like stuck my neck out i had like taken a risk and it had worked out and i was like great so we start dating wow coming from a guy who felt like he didn't know how to talk to women period he is now dating his office place hipster dream girl and the experience was changing the way that he was seeing himself every boy goes through a relationship with a woman that sort of like breaks them open into i would say adulthood into a way where you're not like a boy anymore with a crush on a girl it's very adult you're exploring new things 
you're experimenting. And that's very much what this was. Like for me, this was the first kind of serious adult type relationship. You liked seeing yourself in this way though. Yeah, it felt great. I felt like, I felt like hot. I felt like a hot guy who like was dating this hot girl. And like, you know, you're like, you, you get like a certain level of confidence. It was like a huge confidence boost for it all. And also like at the same time, I'm training for this marathon still. It didn't take long before Kate decided to run the marathon with him. So now we're both sort of on board. We're both training for this marathon together. And it was great because it created a convenient reason for us to just sort of meet up on a fairly regular basis, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, not every day, but like at least a couple of days a week, like I would go over to her place and run with her. Perfect. Shared interests. So they were training and dating and working together. Life was changing. He was no longer sleepwalking through his days at work as a disgruntled customer support person. The cool thing about a work relationship is like kind of keeping things secret. And we had sort of agreed that we weren't going to tell HR. We weren't going to tell anybody that we were dating. I think she had insisted like, hey, let's just like keep this a secret. It's not their business, right? And I was like, yeah, sure, totally. Who cares? That also lends to this like kind of cool, sexy, you've got a secret thing. And like, you know, you're seeing each other and you're trying to like keep it cool, but then you try to find excuses to find ways to be alone and make out in the halls or, or whatever and not get caught and all that sort of stuff that plays into it. Delusion, delusion, delusion. This is why we do this. Doesn't it sound like fun? Life is becoming a lot more full. I've always sort of felt like I need to prove myself to whomever I'm in a relationship with. Saying that I was a runner was all a part of that. That's all a part of this big delusion that like I need to be worthy of whomever I have an interest in, worthy of love, worthy of receiving any sort of love. And so I try to prove that. And even if I lie about it and then figure my way out how to actually do it, there's something about in my head having to sort of like prove my worth. There. He said it pretty concisely. It's about proving his worth. And keeping up with the training for the marathon was all a part of that. The way you train for a marathon is like you start really slow. So I started out really slow. But eventually over time, I get to the point where, you know, I'm running three miles without stopping, no problem. And that was like a huge milestone. Basically, the training is three days a week, you're doing easy runs, which are like two, three miles, maybe four. And then on your weekend, you do a long run. In running terms, they call it the church of the long long run because most runners instead of going to church they go and run a long run on Sunday but then gradually you're adding more and more miles I remember when I ran my first six miles and it was like holy shit I can't believe I just ran six miles I can't believe I ran a 10k and because of all this and because you're like eating healthier because you need to in order to maintain the energy to even do these runs I'm starting to lose weight I'm starting to look better I'm starting to just get more confident and he's having sex we forget how much personal validation comes from sex. It was a whole new Travis. One time I had this really miserable boss at a bar that I worked at, and he would come in pissed off every day, just looking for opportunities to be bitchy. And then one day he was in a great mood. He like said hello, he was trying to joke around. It was weird. I felt uncomfortable. I was like, what is going on with him? A little while later in the shift, I heard him talking to one of the waitresses about the night before. 
he'd gotten laid. I'm getting up there in miles and everything, but like, I'm not a fast runner. I'm like 12 minute mile Travis, you know, (laughs) and Kate's more like eight and a half, nine minute mile Kate, you know, she's fast. She's been running cross country since she was in high school. She's run at least two other marathons and several half marathons at this point. She's a runner. So she's fine. But she's like, for the most part, staying with me on these runs. That was super hot. It was just, it said something about her that she was like willing to not necessarily like run at her pace in order to make me feel comfortable and make me feel secure in what I was doing. No longer spending his time writing in coffee shops and watching TV. He's getting sucked up into a whole new world. Kate when she was living in Northeast, she'd sort of like managed bands up there. There's a lot of student bands because there's the Berkeley College of Music. And so she had like kind of gotten in with like a group of people out there and like helped run of some different bands. And like, you know, basically what she was doing is she was like designing posters and stuff like that for them and like getting them like shows and stuff around town. So she knew different various musicians. I would go to concerts with her like every week, every weekend. I remember we went down to San Diego to this really awesome concert festival thing because MIA was playing and she knew the drummer. She knew MIA's drummer. So we went to see this concert we see mia play and we hang out with the band afterwards like it was awesome like all these sorts of things that you're just like i would have never experienced any of this stuff if i wasn't dating this girl it was a cinderella story and travis was cinderella my life experience if i wasn't dating this girl would have would have remained the same i would have been working in this technical support job and like going home and writing screenplays and watching movies and you know jacking off and that's about it like you know just like <laughs> Super boring, uninteresting. And that's sort of the thing about relationships is it forces you to sort of get outside of your comfort zone and forces yeah. you to do things that you would not otherwise do. She was even encouraging him to elevate his position at work. I was super unhappy with my position. Like I hated customer support. Like I told you, like I had no patience for people who have like shitty attitudes whose stupid websites are down. So I was very unhappy with this job and I mentioned it to her at several points and she encouraged me to talk to my boss about it because I had had previous experience working in social media marketing. One of my first jobs out of college, I basically created the social media marketing department for this indie film distributor up in Seattle. And so I had all this experience. And so she encouraged me to go to my boss and talk to him about trying to transition into the marketing department of this company and specifically trying to open up or establish a social media marketing side for this department. I hadn't really thought about anything like that. I just was like frustrated and I was thinking of quitting. And she was like, no, don't quit. Maybe there's something you can do in this job that's better that you will appreciate more. So she encouraged me to ask my boss to go to lunch and talk to him about what I'm thinking. And so I did that and literally like with his help created a new job that I got promoted into heading up the social media department for this company just out of thin air. He's got a new job. He's a runner now. He's in shape. I am of the opinion that impressing women has been the key motivator and number one necessary delusion of heterosexual men doing most things in all of history. And then everything changes about three months into dating Kate. At this point in time, she comes clean 
to me about a few other things that she hasn't really been honest with me about. Initially, she had told me that she was older than she had led me to believe, and I was totally fine with that. But then she sits me down one day and she explains to me that she didn't just like come to Los Angeles because like she wanted to live in Los Angeles. It's a little bit more complicated. So she tells me that Mark and her were in a relationship for several years prior to this. Mark, Travis's previous manager and customer tech support, whom he had deemed a quote, scumbag. Ugh, of course it had to be him. He was really good friends with her brother, who was also living in Los Angeles at this time. They started dating and then they started this like long distance relationship for a couple years. So she moved out to Los Angeles to be with Mark. And as soon as she moved out, he sort of changed. His dedication and interest in the relationship started to wane. And a month into her being in Los Angeles, on her birthday, he dumps her. And she's devastated by this. She'd uprooted her entire life in Connecticut, moved across the country to Los Angeles, signed a year lease, and gotten dumped by this guy. And she's already working at his company. Not yet. Oh. Is Travis living in a fantasy that is doomed to all fall apart? Will Kate go back to Mark? Will Travis finish training and run the marathon? You're going to have to come back next week to find out, and I promise you, the payoff will all be worth it. You're not going to want to miss this. Thank you for being here with me, Earth Monster. Please do not forget to subscribe to the show and tell your friends about us. Think about writing us a review on Apple iTunes. That's the Purple Podcast app. I am reading all of the reviews, and I appreciate your words and your time. 143 means I love you. If you have love for the show and you want to support us, send us a dollar and 43 cents to at your necessary delusion on Venmo. I am constantly looking for new storytellers with compelling necessary delusions. So if you have a story that you think that we need to hear, Reach out to me on Instagram at YesMatthew or email us at yournecessarydelusion at gmail.com. Go to Hoot Review if you're the kind of person who likes to receive art in the mail. It's only a dollar a month. That's H-O-O-T review.com. A big thanks to Travis. A big thanks to me. A big thanks to you. And of course, Paola Monterde, the love of my life. Thank you for listening to me talk about this podcast so often. We'll see you next time. Right, right.